This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. So, it is 5 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon, and I, Eric Lawrenson, tech and culture reporter for the Cap Times, am hanging out at the Robin Room over on East Johnson Street, sipping a cocktail with two of my favorite colleagues. How about this? Let's all go around, and let's all just say what our name is and what we're drinking. I'm Abby Becker. I cover city and county government for the Cap Times, and I am drinking a House GNT. Hello, I am Lindsay Christians, food editor and arts writer for the Cat Times. I am drinking a Queen's Park Swizzle. That is crushed ice. There's basically an entire salad's worth of mint on top of my cocktail. And Eric, you said it looked like a bomb pop. It looked like a bomb pop because it had the red. Uh, what, were the, what was the color gradient? It was like red, yellow, green at the bottom. And I... Already said who I am. What am I drinking? I am drinking a little number called the Leather Wing, which is Mezcal. Lindsay, how do you pronounce this? Rum Agricol? I've never understood how you... Yeah, Rum Agricol, I think of as being, like, funky rum. Okay, let's go with that. My drink has Mezcal, funky rum, mango, ginger, lime, black peppercorn. It's got a lot of bite to it. I'm loving it. I have a brown paper straw. Y'all have a nice little... Like black and white candy cane striping sensation. How would you describe your straw experience so far with yeah, your drinks? It's um, it's a beautifully striped straw. I've had my straw in my glass for almost an hour now, and it's holding up very well. There's really no discernible uh, disintegration. I feel like we've made strides in straw technology. Yeah, this is this is some 21st century cutting edge. Next level straw. So, okay, I'm sure y'all are wondering why these weirdos are spending so much time talking about their straw situations, which is normally not happy hour banter, at least not the kind that I'm used to. Here's the thing. Straws have become kind of a hot topic. A lot of restaurants and a lot of consumers of drinks have been pushing back against the use of plastic straws. There is a growing concern about the connection between those straws and plastics pollution. Recently, in fact, the city council has taken up a measure that would begin penalizing restaurants that serve plastic straws unless a customer requests said straw. So, tell you what, this podcast, we three are going to be talking about what is happening with this policy proposal why consumers, restaurants, and others are pushing back against the plastic straw, why disability advocates have been raising their voice as part of this conversation, and what might be next for the straws that end up in your drink. Is this the Mad Splainers? Is this the corner table? Or can it be, could it be a crossover episode? By our powers combined. By our powers combined. You know what? Cheers. Cheers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mad Splainer Corner Table Crossover Event of the Century. I don't know what podcast it is. It's two podcasts at once. Mad Splaining at the Corner Table. We're Mad Splaining the Corner Table. We're Mad Splaining at the Corner Table. For those of you who are uh, listeners of the Mad Splainers, you know who I am. It's Eric, and sitting across from me is Abby, but we also have the host of the Corner Table. Hello! With us. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm waving. You can't see me wave. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I am Lindsay Christians. I am the food editor here, and I am host of The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by us, Cap Times. People who are listening to The Corner Table who don't know who the heck I am or who Abby is, uh, we host a podcast called the Mad Splainers. Yes, we do. And it's all about local government and civic affairs here in Madison. And The Corner Table, as I said, is about food and drink in Madison. And I am really excited for this episode because I feel like it touches sort of both of our worlds in really like interesting ways. It absolutely does. As you all know, because you listen to the intro, we're talking about straws, plastic straws. Why are we talking about plastic straws? So... For the past two-ish years or so, in particular, there has been a a burgeoning conversation among restaurants and diners and also city and state governments about about the use of plastic straws in restaurants. This has kind of emerged as an environmental concern for a lot of people because plastic straws are what's called a single-use plastics. So a single-use plastic being a plastic that is used only once, like, you know, a coffee stirrer, right? Or a, a piece of packaging or... Plastic like forks. A plastic fork. Big ones, One yeah. and done, you use them and you throw that away. We should also note that when it comes to straws specifically and other kinds of single-use plastics, they're not recyclable at all. A lot of these single-use plastics will end up in a landfill and also... A lot of them end up in waterways, in the ocean. Um, There has been a lot of concern about these plastic patches, these massive uh, floating islands of just plastic waste. Oh, Lindsay is her her head is in her hands right now. <laughs> she is horrified. Oh God! I mean, I know about it, but when you start to think about like masses of floating plastic in the ocean, and like my dad likes to say, like, oh, by this year there's going to be more plastic by weight than fish in the ocean, and I'm like, great, Dad. Thanks, thanks for letting me <laughs> Happy know. Happy thoughts. <laughs> so, you cool donate to the Sierra Club, so that I guess we'll fix it. I anyway. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you know, I don't think anyone is a huge fan of the idea of just plastic floating around our oceans. Like, doesn't look good, but also can be harmful for animals. There's concerns about chemicals leaching out of this plastic. Uh, This has been a concern for a while, though it is clearly sort of having a moment as of lately. So, um, like in 2015, there was this viral video of a turtle with a plastic straw stuck up its nose. Oh, God, that's another one. That got a lot of shares, a lot of attention, and... It kind of kickstarted the whole, like, quote, save the turtles, unquote, angle of this movement. That's a thing you hear a lot of people say when they talk about plastic straws. A couple of years later, in 2017, there were a couple of initiatives launched by some major environmental nonprofits around this issue. And then in 2018, I feel like this is when the issue really, really took off. I actually did a little Google trend search, that thing where you can see which words are like searched for or used most often via Google. And like summer of 2018, this thing was off the charts. And that was around when the city of Seattle passed a plastic straw ban, when like McDonald's and Starbucks were talking about phasing out plastic straws. Um so that was definitely a time when this was front and center, a thing people were talking about. But today it's still kind of a conversation. So let's localize this. Lindsay, I think you first began writing about this around like early 2018 or so. Can you talk about like how did you first begin seeing this conversation happening in Madison? 
So it happened on like through a Facebook group of I forget what they're called now. Uh, it's like Madison Trash Talkers or something like that. And they go around and they pick up trash from the sides of the roads, among other things. Um, but they're also just they're sort of interested in like waste as it relates to environmentalism, like the filling up of our landfills and that kind of thing. And they had really started um, taking an initiative in local restaurants and going in and saying, you know, please, I, I would not like a straw. Like, I don't, I don't, please don't give me a straw. And pointing out through that Facebook page of like, hey, I just went into El Dorado Grill and they're not doing plastic straws anymore. Or um, I, I went into this place and I've noticed that they switched to paper. So they were kind of calling attention to it a little bit. Uh, mainly it was happening, I was seeing it sort of happen in, in Milwaukee a bit. And so I just started to call around a little bit to see if people in, in if restaurants in Madison were interested in this. And there had been some discussion around it. Um, and some places had, like State Line Distillery, had decided to do a couple of different options. They, I think, they have metal straws as well as some other things. Um, you'll see uh, places that have almost like a plexiglass kind of a straw. You'll see that. Uh, you'll see also like bamboo and other like other alternative materials for the straws. So, straight up pa- I mean, just straight up paper. Yeah, paper is is one of the most popular. And I actually called the paper straw company people for that story that I first did maybe a year and a half ago and that was really interesting because he was like oh yeah man our sales are through the roof (laughs) you know Um, like people are just loving it they're into the straws and they can do like all these custom designs and stuff so like there's the there's the one that kind of look like a barber pole right but then they can do like your team colors they can do like prints and things and so people like are having some fun with it you know, like with anything, like printed mm-hmm. napkins. Now you can have printed straws. Um, but uh, he was really talking about, like, improvements in paper straw technology because it used to be, right, that they just disintegrate after, like, sure. 15 minutes or whatever it was. But now they last a lot longer. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, they still definitely have a half-life. Where it's they like, do. Ooh, this is my straw. It's kind of and, not so and really, <laughs> For paper straws, I feel like it's really affected by uh, how much ice and, like, if it's pebbly ice. Mm-hmm. Or if it's like a smoothie situation, you're not you're not in a good place. It's not going to work out. Hot hot liquids too, like it's not great for hot liquids. Um, so those are like situations where it's going to last you sh- a short time anyhow. Um, but yeah, the the conversation I think really started around individual restaurants, but it hasn't even now. I don't think it's on a a wide level in Madison. Do you have like? Any guess as to like how many places are doing something? I mean, I would Im- I would imagine like a, you know a half dozen to a dozen like in that number. Okay, so a handful. I've also started noticing when people don't like a new for new restaurants. I notice if they do have plastic straws now. Mm, gotcha. You don't know if they made a conscious decision, yeah. but it certainly you know seems to be difficult to imagine that they wouldn't have thought about it or encountered this is something have, they would think about. Yeah, I've definitely noticed, especially with newer restaurants, almost nobody's giving a straw with water anymore, right? Mm. And that used to be a thing. Like, I, I like supper clubs. I go to a lot of supper clubs, and the supper clubs will would sometimes do straws with water. But even, even now, at supper club level, less of that. Lindsay, one more question I have for you is I've heard some people bring up cost for restaurants as an argument as to why you would want to ban plastic straws. Like, if you get renewables, then you save money by not buying however many packages of plastic straws. It's true, but A, you have to wash them, and B, there's attrition because straws, like anything else, you lose them, you drop them, you throw them away by accident. And I think a lot of the places that use a lot of plastic straws, right, are like your McDonald's (laughs) and your places where the reason it's single-use plastic at all 
is because they are dealing with a lot of takeout and things like that. Abby, I'm curious, like the city is doing some stuff around this too, right? And in terms of like looking at how to encourage restaurants to maybe make some different choices? Yes. Well, so it's interesting because you reported that story, you said about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this year we see an alder coming forward with an ordinance um, to sort of manage the use of plastic straws here in Madison. So this is from Alder Syed Abbas, and he is the alder for District 12. Um, And he proposed an ordinance that would prohibit restaurants from providing plastic beverage straws to customers who are eating in the restaurant unless those customers ask for one. So it's not an outright ban. Um, He's very big on saying that, right? Yes, it is not an outright ban. It is more of, you know, trying to, he describes it as trying to change consumers' behavior about plastic straws and to get people thinking about it more. Um, Now, this proposal, you know, came out um, a few months ago now, and I believe he is still working on some changes and adjustments to that based off of concerns that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, there's also um, a, a fee associated with that. So if um, if a restaurant is not following this, currently as the ordinance states, there's a $200 fine um, posed to that. He also told me when I was reporting um, when this first came out that that would likely be reduced and that also this would be a self-reporting kind of thing. So let's say I go to a restaurant, I don't ask for a straw, and someone gives me a plastic straw. If I were to go to the city for that, then I think steps would be taken. It's not an outright ban. This is something where, you know, if you're restaurants and following it, a customer would need to report it, that kind of thing. So as it currently stands, that's sort of the general outline for what the ordinance would do if um, if enacted. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. I was watching the Disability Rights Commission take this up the other day, and they basically said, look, as this is written, we don't we don't like it um and we would vote it down however he um the alder has been really specific about saying i'm coming to you and i'm getting your feedback and then i'm going to go to the environmental policy committee or something i'm the city is not my area so <laughs> forgive me but he's going to go to another committee and he's going to like to ask them what they think and then i i feel like in terms of the timeline of this ordinance, we're looking at like January, February, at least of next year. Possibly. Well, and so what were some of the concerns of commission members? There were kind of a couple perspectives that came up. So people who are disability rights advocates will say that, or often they will say that using a plastic straw is really helpful for some people to be able to access the food and beverage that they need. Now, it was different uh, for people who were caretakers, for example. There are people who um, are non-disabled, but they are caretakers who are part of the Disability Rights Commission. And they um, talked about how, like, well, you know, when we go out with our son, we always bring straw, like a straw with us because we know that he needs this. Um, but it's different for a caretaker versus a person who actually has a disability to have to ask for another thing. Um, there are also the, the issues of like in, invisible disability. So, well, you don't look disabled. Why are you parking in that handicap spot kind of thing? Um, and that's a really sensitive issue. There's also uh, questions about like like what it feels like to have to ask for something 
And also to have this idea of like, well, you're sitting there with a straw with your invisible disability and everybody's looking at you like you're killing all the turtles. And what I heard was that there's a still, you know, having to ask for something that you need would create sort of an othering and isolating than effect for somebody who is just trying to, you know, eat and drink in, in a restaurant. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is a good time, I think, to mention that Lindsay just wrote a phenomenal cover story. About, Thank you. Um, what it's like to dine in Madison as a, as a person with a disability. And this did seem to be kind of a theme in that story is that it's an exhausting thing to have to make one more ask and one You're more asking ask. and asking yeah. and asking and and it, it it can become really relentless and really exhausting and you you can really feel like eventually like I'm just not welcome here. You know, this is this is too much. I'm a burden, um, and I I, I just I'm just going to stay home. It's incredibly problematic to think that we're going to be hospitable to all these people, but not to you. I I feel like there's there's got to be some middle ground here in terms of making sure that people who you know do need straws have that access to those things um, in a way that doesn't make them feel ostracized or othered. On the other hand, I, I do feel like there's a whole conversation around single use plastic that straws are not a solution to, but can be a touch point or a conversational starting point about. We're not going to save the ocean by not having straws in our drinks. But if we start thinking about single-use plastic in the form of straws in our drinks, maybe it will motivate us to make bigger changes and be thinking about it more and have it to be more top of mind. So I do think it can be useful in that way. Yeah. I do worry how many people think about the broader issue of plastics pollution through the framework of the straw ban? Like, does it actually provoke people to think more? Or is it an excuse to be really hip with your metal straw that can, um, you know... Oh, there's a hip factor. I think there's also, like, just some of the rhetoric around getting rid of plastic straws can be like, you know, save a turtle. Don't use a plastic straw. You're saving the world by like not using a plastic but straw. But it's not I feel one like straw maybe, one turtle. In my it's experience, yeah, no, <laughs> I wish there was a one-to-one exchange there. But um, I do feel like, at least in my experience, listening to some of the ways that, you know, people sort of champion this cause, it maybe seems like a little bit overstated of the impact. Of, like, are know, straws what, the fight that we're taking up? Yeah. I don't know. There are places in, especially like the Pacific Northwest, like Seattle, Portland, where people will literally, they they take silverware around with them so they don't have to get single-use plastic. I think about it a lot in terms of like plastic forks and things like that. You'll notice that in the newsroom now we have bamboo. (laughs) Yes, we do. Yeah, that was me. Um, Nice. Because I I think about it. Mm and I, I feel like there's there's something around this that's sort of like when people try to outwoke each other, where it becomes about these sort of like token signifiers. Um, you know, I'm going to wave my flag that I'm doing this good thing. Uh, it reminds me, too, of like uh, praying on the corner when people say like they think it's biblical, but it's basically to do with like if you're going to do good deeds, do them quietly and anonymously versus mm. like shouting them from the rooftops because uh, it can become more about bringing credit to yourself than it is about doing the good thing. And I and I feel like that that idea does circle around things like this. Well, do you think that sort of idea then kind of gets into the, what um, Syed Abbas is proposing with this ordinance about trying to change consumers' behavior? And maybe this, maybe this could actually start a conversation and get more people to think about single-use plastic or propel other people in the city to think about ways 
the city itself, you know, as an operation could reduce some of its plastic use. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't know, since it's not, you know, an outright ban, it's not, you know, hard and fast right now, like maybe, maybe to be, you know, you'd have to be very optimistic, you know, to take this point of view, but to really think, well, maybe this could kind of get into um, that issue of, you know, of just trying to think about our our use and not, um, you know, walk around waving our metal straws because we're all really cool people. Right. Yeah. I think it's already doing that. I think it's definitely already starting those conversations. I wonder, do you all think that the side of this conversation about uh, disability and access, do you think that's also starting a conversation? Maybe it's queuing more people in or getting more people to think about the maybe less than obvious ways that simple things like a straw can actually be a big deal for a person with a disability. I asked Bella Soba that specifically. She's the chair of the Disability Rights Commission, and she said yes. She said that straws are definitely helping to raise the awareness of these conversations happening, right? And I, I was thinking as I was writing that story about, you know, disability access in restaurants, about being a good ally. One of the most impactful things that came out of that for me was the way that our attitude plays into perceptions of access and, and realities of access, too, in terms of making people feel welcome and, and how we do that. Because it's really clear in, a, in any restaurant you go to, you can look around and find little signals of who that restaurant is for. And that includes everything from how much money you have to the color of your skin to how you are dressed and, like, how loud you talk. And, and like, all of these things are sort of in – they're coded in these spaces that we – where we interact as a society. And I think talking to people who who do have these barriers to being out in the world with people they care about, just having these things to be a little bit more top of mind, uh, changing our lenses, thinking about what our lenses are, I think all of that has value. Whether or not we have a restriction on plastic straws or a, you know, a ramp up to the front door, the more we're thinking about it, the, I, I hope, the more we're likely to want to make change and be more inclusive in that way. I, I hope so, too. I hope. Ultimately, I think most of us can't save the world individually. But, you know, if we're, if we're trying to frame our conversations to, like, be thinking about it, it maybe helps. I hope it helps. I, this is the thing. Like, what actually does make change? If we don't even try. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, individually, well, yeah. we all need to try – I st- you know I still question if we'll do all those individual efforts together really help. I hope they mm-hmm. make some kind of difference, and maybe the act of just taking that step again propels some greater thought that could make things better in the world. In yeah. summation, yeah. vote. <laughs> yeah, or, you know I I think and it, run for office. <laughs> well, one thing that we were talking about. You know, are these kinds of activism like is that a meaningful form of activism that when you just like make a choice in what you buy or the straw that you use? When does a small thing like that make an impact in a broader movement versus like going out to lobby or, you know, trying to do sort of more traditional forms of activism to enact change? I don't know if a consumer movement like this is always what's going to actually end up making an impact. I honestly don't. I I don't either. (laughs) I, well, I think about that whenever there are, like, walkouts and protests and people waving signs. And I think, does this accomplish anything? But I think sometimes it does, you know? And, or right. at least it, it lodges some kind of complaint. Or I don't know, some kind of stance. Well, I, I think in the example of a protest, too, I always think it is 
really important to, you know, you know, use your right of free speech to share, you know, what you're thinking, you know, on on that issue. And so, uh, you know, to translate that to like a personal consumer choice, like even though because I choose not to use plastic straws, um, I don't think that's going to make a worldwide difference. But, you know, it's a I don't know. It's a step in the right direction, maybe. It is. I think of it a little bit like the smoking ban. Not quite. And that's that's a complicated comparison to make. But that was something where the government told a bunch of restaurants and bars what to do. And many of them did not care for that, Mm -hmm. right? As they wouldn't. But I think that most folks would look around now and say, gosh, it's nice that my favorite restaurants and bars aren't full of smoke anymore. And maybe there's a way to, again, like find find a path forward with this where we can still be having inclusive spaces as much as possible, but fewer dead turtles. No more dead turtles. No more dead turtles! No one wants that. (laughs) I think we can all agree. No more dead turtles, please. (sighs) Thank you all for listening to the Corner Table Mad Splainers mashup episode. Certainly, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to The Corner Table on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you find podcasts. Also, if you liked what you heard from us over at The Mad Splainers, be sure to check us out as well. Cap Times also has podcasts about state politics. Check out Wedge Issues, a show hosted by Cap Times opinion editor Jesse Apoyan. And also be sure to check out the podcast hosted by some of the fine folks at the Wisconsin State Journal like center stage. All right, well, have a great rest of your week, and Lindsay will be back with new Corner Table episodes soon. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.